0: Welcome to Forward Progress here on the Hammer Betting Network. I'm Rob Pizzola joined by Clive Bixby as we take you through week four in the NFL and look ahead to what we think will happen in week five in the NFL in terms of line movement and where we expect these numbers to come out. Clive, crazy day again. Feels like I say that almost every week. How did the week treat you?
1: Yeah, so far so good. Uh, Went three and one on my bigger bets, so I can't complain there. Uh, I think I was on the right side of three. I think the other one, I, I just wasn't. Um, one of which was Cincinnati. It's kind of hard to tell what the right side was with two going out so soon. Uh, but so far, so good. And then the smaller bets have, have
0: split. How about you? Um, pretty break even ish week, I would say. We're going to probably finish slightly in the positive no matter what happens. Uh, for those who are listening on Monday, we are recording this in the second half of Sunday Night Football. So just want to be fully transparent about that. Um, but yeah, I mean just a lot of ups and downs. Uh really lost a few big positions, one of them being Denver, which we can get into a little bit later on. But um just enjoyed I mean I enjoyed the day today though. It was um we'll get into these games here in one second, but it was I feel like this year has just delivered so much drama so far.
1: Yeah, there's just been so many circus like back and forth games that You'd think would be over, and they're not. And just like you said, well, a lot of drama, and it's it's it has been crazy, and it, it makes it harder to handicap too, like to try and understand what you're really
0: seeing. Agreed. Um, for those that don't know, this show is named Forward Progress because, yes, we do like to take a look forward. I just want to respond to some commentary that we got uh through the Hammer HQ Twitter account last week, and also. Uh, myself and Clive got, and I think I'll just address it openly. I'm guessing what the numbers will be for next week without having looked at them yet. So I need to make that explicitly clear to everyone. They're like, oh, the numbers are out. You know, you should know what they are. I don't personally ever look at opening numbers in the NFL. I try to avoid them at all costs. The honest reason is that I don't do much betting on Sunday night or Monday. Um, Most of the positions that I fill I need to fill at a larger bet size. That's just the full truth. So I don't really start betting until Tuesdays. Because of that, I don't like to see numbers disappear. It used to really aggravate me. It triggers me seeing a play that you would have had that goes out of range because it was bet earlier to each their own. I'm not discriminating as to what time you bet but I do not look at the openers at all. I don't know what the prices are for next week's games. Um, Clive, as part of this show as well, is not looking at the openers for next week's games. We're trying to talk, talk this through from a logical perspective and hopefully arrive at what we think. The prices are going to be, and where we think that the market is going to, um, you know, move towards, just in general. So, want to make that explicitly clear.
1: Yeah, and if I see something like occasionally, some of the people that I follow on Betstamp will will post something on Sunday night, and I'll get a notification. If I see it, I'm transparent about it here, saying, "Listen, I, I've seen this number. I don't look at look aheads at all." Um, I won't start to look at numbers until after we record the show and occasionally I'll bet a couple games Sunday night, but it's, it's not common. It's mostly Monday and Tuesday for me.
0: So I just wanted to make that clear for all the listeners out there. If anyone might be confused, uh, but we are not looking at the early numbers uh, before or during the recording of this show. Uh, For those who are listening um, on Spotify, on Apple music, please consider subscribing. You'll get a notification whenever we go live. You don't have to seek the content out. Uh, For those who do like consuming the content in general, please check out hammer.bet on your browser or on your mobile device, and you will likely find a lot of great betting content that is tailored for you. Clive, I want to start with the Bills and Ravens. Uh, This is the one I think just makes the most sense to start with. The Bills come from behind. They beat the Ravens 23 to 20 on the road. Neither offense was particularly good in this game. I'm not sure how much the weather contributed to that as it was an ugly game in Baltimore. The Ravens did go up two TDs early. They were greater than 75% to win this game for the entirety of the second quarter. They were greater than 50% to win this game for the entirety of the third quarter. Bills did win yards per play, but they were largely playing from behind. The Ravens had just 296 yards of total offense Lamar Jackson, negative EPA per play on 43 passing plays, but everyone will be discussing the end of this game. Tied 20-20 to late in the fourth quarter, the Ravens choose to go for it on fourth and goal from the Buffalo 2 after a 14-play, 93-yard drive. Lamar throws a pick in the end zone to Jordan Poyer, the Bills go all the way down the field, and they perform what I would call a master class in clock control before kicking a game-winning chip shot field goal as time expires. If you're John Harbaugh faced in that exact same situation, are you taking what is virtually an automatic three points in Justin Tucker, or are you playing for that seven?
1: Playing for seven 100% of the time, not thinking, not not looking back. There's There's not a doubt in my mind. I think obviously the interception is the worst possible outcome because you don't stick them at the two if you fail. Um, but that is I mean, we we briefly talked about this last week um, and somebody actually asked to like use our <laughs> they asked to use our conversation about fourth and short and, and key plays like that as uh, something to put on their podcast. doesn't mean that I'm right about all this, but I mean, this is an offense in the Bills that just clearly showed what they can do and how dangerous they are. They got the benefit of what I would call a week roughing the passer and sportsmanlike conduct play to uh, get another 15 yards there and a first down. But I mean, going for three there is not, I think, optimal in this particular situation in this matchup.
0: Agreed. Now I'll be full disclosure. I bet some Bills minus three. Wasn't a big play, but I had some Bills minus three. But I'll talk you through my thought process, which was I did not want the Ravens to go for it there. Had nothing to do with the spread, really. Uh, And I think, you know, generally speaking in real time, uh, when you're a fan and like you have that instant reaction of like, I want them to do the opposite of what they're doing. It's usually the right call, in my opinion. Now, that's not foolproof. It's not 100%. Um, I have seen the public models that are out there in terms of what they, you know, the, the difference in win expectancy. Almost every public model had them going for it as the right call. Uh, actually everyone that I've seen roughly in the two to 5% range in terms of what they would gain in in win expectancy. But um, these ones drive me nuts because you get a lot of results-based analysis after oh, the sure. fact. Yeah, but that's common. But it's not taking the full picture into account, right? Like if, if you're like, okay, you know, they didn't get it. That's one thing. But then it's like the Bills drove the whole field to kick the game winning field goal. Not only did they drive the whole field, they opted not to score intentionally. That's why I called it a master class. Devin Singletary goes down at the two, in which the Ravens were trying to let him score, trying to get him into the end zone. So the whole thing of like, okay, yeah, the Ravens could have got the three points. The Bills were very likely going to be in the situation where they were going for a touchdown regardless. Now, that's not to say that it's a guarantee that they're going to score from the two-yard line or that things would play out the exact same way because they, they, they wouldn't, but they clearly showed that they are capable of driving the entire field in a short amount of time. So I don't know what that field goal does for you if you're Baltimore.
1: Right. And I don't know how many times you need to see the Bills like drive down the field with under two minutes or you know whatever the situation is. It, it's not like they stall in those situations. They've seemed to excel the last couple of years in those. So I... I can't make a case for kicking a field goal there. Um, it just doesn't in this particular game with that particular
0: offense, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Agreed. Sucks to lose the game like that. I completely get it. They had a oh, chance. And I, had,
1: I had the under too. So I had an under 51 and a half. So I did not want them to score a touchdown at all there, but it's, To me, it's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I think you put two analytical guys together. That's what you're going to (laughs) get. I I, I just, I'll never understand the other perspective. I won't, right? Like, I I guess the other perspective could be, you know, the the math models are not properly taking everything into account, right? So I can get that because most of the, the responses I got on Twitter were, well, you're not accounting for the fact that Buffalo's offense hasn't been good today. And I think maybe that's valid. I mean, I'd like to see the inputs into the math models in terms of like what what they're using to calculate Buffalo's probability to move down the field. Is it just like a seasonal number? There's, there's a lot of things that play into it. But overall, my whole thing is like I would not want to have to rely on my defense to stop Josh Allen in a two-minute drill. And I think people would say that.
1: I mean, did anybody watch these last couple games in Baltimore's defense? This is not, you know, I mean this is not the Baltimore Ravens defense of 2001, 2002, 2003. Like they got smoked with a lead by the Dolphins just two weeks ago. And the Dolphins offense is not the Bills offense. So, I mean, you got to keep all that in the back of your mind that they don't have the personnel to really keep up with the Bills offense either.
0: Agreed. Um, I don't know that it take a whole lot away from this game. It was played in bad conditions, really tough to navigate through that. Uh, I'm I'm surprised that, I guess how the bills defense is holding up despite the injuries. Now they did get Jordan Poyer back. They did get Dane Jackson back who had that horrible neck injury a few weeks ago. I thought, I mean, I thought that could have been a career ender. Um, but overall I, you know, Leslie Frazier to me is like a hidden gem right now as defensive Mm -hmm. coordinator of the bills with what they've had to deal with.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Ravens basically got damn near a pick six to, uh, to start the first quarter. I mean, they ended up at the four of the five, I think, and then scored uh, either the next player or the following play. I don't remember exactly, but I mean, that that was a gift there too. So, I mean, in reality, how many offensive points does Buffalo really put up there? Um, so that's that's another factor. They were kind of gifted seven points there.
0: Yep, that's a valid point. Uh, another game that I, I, I probably, this would have never, in my wildest dreams, been second in the list of games that I wanted to talk about. But I do want to bring it up because I think that uh, it was ended up being way more interesting than I thought it would be. The Jets came from behind to upset the Steelers 24-20. I don't think either of these teams are playoff teams, um, probabilistically speaking, but this game was filled with storylines. Uh, New York controlled the first half. They took a 10-6 lead into the half. That's when Mike Tomlin decides to make the switch to Kenny Pickett at quarterback. Pickett ends the game with no passing touchdowns and three interceptions, but he still vastly outperformed Mitch Trubisky in both EPA per play and success rate. He added a rushing touchdown as well. It's tough for me to really figure out where the Steelers went wrong in this game other than they just couldn't finish it. They were around 90% win expectancy for the majority of the fourth quarter, and then it fell apart. But I'm just surprised that, to me, they played last Thursday. And you would have had 10 game, ten days excuse me, to prepare for a home game against the jets like that would have been the most optimal time to start kenny pickett in my opinion instead they give mitch trubisky a half short leash and ultimately he you know he craps the bed again and they make the switch at halftime i i just don't really understand that to to be honest with you i mean i'm, I'm glad at least tomlin did switch at some point because it's it's better than just playing trubisky the whole game but I got to wonder why they didn't just prep pick it for 10 days to be the starting quarterback
1: here. You know, that's that's fair, and I actually didn't think about that at all until you mention it now. Um, and in all honesty, if you're going to give him the second half if Mitch doesn't play well, just get him ready for a week, let him be QB1, and just let him go. Um, like you said, it's better than nothing, but uh, I think that's a really, really strong point. And that's not actually something I've, I've seen on, on Twitter at all today. Um, which is now surprising that I think about it.
0: I think there were people calling for it after the Cleveland Pittsburgh Thursday nighter, um, but it, then it kind of just died off. Um, yeah. So, so I, you know, I, that's where I first saw it myself, and I was like, "Yeah, this makes total sense." You know, ten days, prepare, pick it. But then as we got closer to game time, it was Trubisky again. Um, I, I just, I, I think at the, the Bills basically conned other teams in this particular instance, Pittsburgh, into thinking that. Because Trubisky was a backup to Josh Allen, that somehow he was going to be able to tap into the potential that he once had, and it it just ain't there. Like, I'm not even sure Trubisky's a backup quarterback. At, in the, He will be, get a backup job and continue to be a backup for the Steelers, but uh, he's not the guy that's going to win you games. No, he's not. Um, he
1: is, unfortunately, a guy that needs to um, be moving a little bit to have any kind of value, because if you expect him to be a pocket quarterback and win, it's not going to happen.
0: Agreed. So this takes us to next week because Pittsburgh is playing Buffalo next week on the road, which in my opinion, one of the worst possible scenarios to start a young quarterback would be on the road at the Bills in that environment against Josh Allen. So this is going to be a troublesome one, in my opinion, to put a spread on, but I think it has to be as crazy as it sounds, at least two touchdowns. Bills at home. I think it's going to be the biggest spread we've seen of the year so far. I
1: think that's probably fair. I mean, this as I'm thinking through it like how can it be any less than 13 at open? Yeah. That's that's the number I have in my head, but yeah, that's I mean, that is just like the absolute worst spot as a rookie quarterback to get your first start and go. Um even as banked up as the Bills defense is, uh, you expect the Bills to get ahead in that game. And if you're going to expect Pickett to
0: come from behind at all,
1: that, that could get really ugly.
0: I agree. A um, couple of notables as well on the Steelers defense that got hurt today, but Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds both got injured in this game. Obviously, TJ Watts still out of that lineup. I don't know the severity of these injuries, but that could impact this one way or another I just can't imagine anyone really willing to take the Steelers in this game, in this spot, with the way that it's going to be talked about this week, unless it's viewed as like, okay, I I have to take them. This number is too big, right? It, it, it seems like it's going to be one-way action on Buffalo, unless you get a number where it's like, okay, at this point now, I'm going to take Pittsburgh. So that's kind of why I, w- I would personally just send out a 14 and just see where the, the action goes one way or another on that two-touchdown number, and probably like a total on a key number, um, maybe like a 47 as well. And then just let the market dictate where that's going to go.
1: Yeah, I could see the market driving that all the way up to 16 and a half or 17. Um, That's where I think it would probably end up. If you make me bet on it, I think it's going to end up 16, 17. Like I'm thinking through some of the games last year where Houston was like really, really down bad. Uh, 16 to 17. I think that makes sense
0: in, uh, I wonder, so it's always tricky with these big spread games and also just the way that the market shapes out, because I do think that traditionally speaking, the biggest market movers, uh, tend to come in on the big underdogs very late in the week. They kind of just let. Everybody drive a number up and then they bet it late. We didn't see that necessarily with Houston last year, but they were like really, really bad. I don't know if people think that Pittsburgh is that bad yet. Like the Steelers went into Buffalo and won last year with the, the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger, you know, not even able to throw a ball. And they, they, I mean, that spread was very different. It was like six and a half or seven, something around there. I can't remember offhand, but I, I think people can, can cr- at least create some talking points or some reasons that they might think that the Steelers are valuable. Last year with Houston, it was just like, well, the number, I'm just going to play this number. It's too big type of thing,
1: right? Yeah, and I mean, Davis Mills was like the the lowest ranked, I think, quarterback from a perception standpoint for everybody too. Um, How, how do you, though, with this Steeler team without TJ Watt and, and like you just got beat by the Jets and uh, Braxton Barrios throwing a touchdown pass. So, I mean, like just it's, I, I can't see it. Um, I don't know a number that would entice me enough to want to bet on the
0: Steelers. I somewhat agree with you. I think a lot of the talk this week is going to be around Mike Tomlin's record as a, as an underdog, when he's coaching as an underdog, which is very good for a long time. I'm not saying I buy into those trends, but um, that, that will be discussed, is Tomlin as a dog, Steelers as a dog. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, the other team that we mentioned in the Bills game, Baltimore. They get Sunday night football next week. They host the Bengals. Um, Ronnie Stanley did not play again today. So Baltimore was down to fourth string left tackle against Von Miller. Uh, that proved to be a problem on a few plays, at least, that I can remember off the top of my head. But Cincinnati gets the extended week now, having played on Thursday. A big divisional game. Um, want You want to take a stab here first?
1: I'd probably say two and a half, um, maybe a light three. Like a, a three, you know, plus 100. That's where I would go with it. Um, I don't know which way it's going to get bet, to be honest, but that's what I would probably open it up.
0: I think if it opens two and a half, Baltimore gets bet. I think that the market thinks that Baltimore is better than Cincinnati. So do I personally. Um, so bake in the home field for the Sunday night football, one and a half to two points or whatever. I think that if this number is three, people will make an argument for both sides.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's that's true. Um, I think the, the perception on the Bengals still too, coming off of a Super Bowl uh, appearance and they just, they beat Miami, albeit you know, Tua missed like three quarters of the game. It's just like some of these things are, are just going to still like keep their value higher than I think it should be. Uh, at minus three, by the way, I'm taking the Ravens 100%. So um, that's just where I think it'll open. Uh,
0: I, agree, I agree with you. Like look, look at how far the Bengals got bet out this week, right, against Miami at one point. Got up to minus four, minus 110, which is, you know, you could talk about it being a good spot for Cincinnati, but you'll never convince me that there is enough of a gap between this year's Bengals and this year's Dolphins to warrant a spread of minus four, minus one ten, and it, Dolphins did take some late money. I, I, I mean, it's impossible to say whether Miami would have won with Tua playing the full game or not. But what I take away from that game was I was just not impressed with Cincinnati again. Um, I think they can't run the ball and they want to run the ball, which is a want, huge. Problem.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Um, because they want, to, they want to take some of the pressure off Burrow. They can't just have Burrow drop back on every play because he's going to take a sack like on the quarter of the dropbacks so or he's going to get pressured or he's going to feel pressure that isn't there. So um, not that, that the Ravens are necessarily the team that's going to be able to expose that, but the Dolphins weren't the team that would be able to do that. And they did that for like three quarters of that game as well. So I, tough one for me.
1: What do you think of her total in this game? High high 40s. 48 and a half, 49 or a Yeah,
0: in in the de- in that kind of dead zone there. That's what yeah. I would say. Um, not that, again, I think Cincinnati is very much being profiled as an over team. Like they got bet to the over as well against Miami, right? Um, to me, Cincinnati is not an over team right now. They are an offense that has weapons, but they're still very offensively challenged. They run the ball enough to keep the clock ticking. They run on early downs which forces a lot of second and third and long. And I think their defense is better than people give it credit for as well. Um, so uh, I think it will be in the high 40s. I'm not necessarily saying that I would you know, be rushing to bet the over there, but that's where I, that the market will put that.
1: Yeah, 13 of their 23 series, they started with a rush again, and only 61.5% success rate on those series. The 10 series, they started with a pass, and I have to go back and look at the plays. I think two or three of them were play action, which i I like I think that's good for them, given what their their perception is of what they're doing in early downs um eighty percent success rate, so I mean maybe they make some adjustments this week uh but I agree like even them profiled as an over team is is probably not the right way to go, even if two of plays, I don't think that game really has any business still being at forty eight and a half like it was last week,
0: right um the Jets, who just pulled the upset, they get the other Thursday night football team, Miami. So the Dolphins do travel to New York to take on the Jets. I mean, I don't think it's been officially confirmed that Tua is out of this game, but I would think like Tua is out of this game. Even if it's, even if he's cleared, I think just from an optics perspective, he would not play. Um, I'm speculating there. Xavier Howard got hurt on a Thursday night football. Don't know if he's back. The Jets lost another tackle today. Max Mitchell left the game. So I think they're down to fifth and sixth string tackles going into next week if Max Mitchell can't play. Um, but Teddy is pretty offensively challenged for Miami if he's the one that gets the start. So here's here's how
1: I view that game. You saw how much Miami likes to blitz, right? If you put that kind of pressure with a weakened offensive lining against Zach Wilson, I think you're going to force him into a lot of mistakes. So I think all you need Teddy Bridgewater to do is not be the guy to make mistakes. Now, I don't know what the number is going to be off the top of my head, but I, I think it's enough for Miami to, I think, be a comfortable favorite. And there's not a lot enticing me to take the Jets in, in that situation just because it's not too.
0: Yeah, I think it would seem like a, a decent bounce back spot uh i don't know that i have enough faith in bridgewater laying points miami's definitely going to be favored in this game i probably guess like three and a half or four um maybe i'm off on that and, and and i'm just kind of undervaluing the jets but with the extra rest that miami gets to put you know full game plan together for teddy um potentially Xavier howard playing or being able to recover in time that's probably right around where i think it'll be
1: Yeah, I was thinking more like four and a half, five, Um, but I I could see both cases. I mean, Howard, Howard's a hamstring, right? Like, I'm remembering that correctly. Like,
0: yeah, it was a hammy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a nagging injury. That's a real pain. I have a low total here in mind, like 42 and a half, 43.
0: Ah oh, man, it's tough because the scoring environment's down in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, that with that number, I automatically think over. But I think it's because Zach Wilson to me strikes me as a guy who is going to be way more boomer bust. And when I say bust, too, I'm talking about defensive scoring for the other team yep. as well. That's fair. I don't think he should be priced in the same totals range as as Flacco was, who was just more of a you know conservative you dunk. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was yeah. taking some That's shots. True. Don't get me wrong, but. I feel like Wilson just has, he has points in him one way or the other.
1: Wider range of outcomes. His distribution can go really bad on the negative side. That's absolutely true.
0: Exactly. So um, my day started with uh, Minnesota, New Orleans. Did you get up to watch the game this morning?
1: I did. I had a small position on uh, the Vikings minus three and, I don't I still after watching the whole game I don't know if I got lucky or if I didn't. I mean that was such a mess.
0: <laughs> yeah, well let's unpack that. So the Vikings beat the Saints 28-25. Crazy game. The Saints hit a 60-yard field goal earlier in the game. Uh Will Lutz misses the 61-yarder to tie it on the double doink hits the you know the upright and just absolutely crazy. Um, I'm looking at box score metrics. Saints win yards per play 5.9 to 5.1. Saints 58% success rate on offense on 60 plays. Minnesota only 45% success rate. The Vikings absolutely can't run the ball anymore. 38% success on 26 rushes. Um, Saints perfect three for three in the red zone though. Vikings just two for five. Noticeable gap in penalty yardage here too. Saints took 10 penalties for over 100 yards. Uh, There was a late defensive pass interference in that game that cost them literally 25% win expectancy. Um, Also had a couple of other big swings in the game. There was a fumble. There was a muffed punt. I'm kind of in the same boat as you in that I have no idea what to take away from this game. I feel like the Vikings should have built up a bigger lead early on. And then they just kind of reminded me of the Vikings of old, except they somehow won the game instead of blowing it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Lutz shouldn't have even been in the position to be able to kick that field goal if they make the if the Vikings make the extra point, like then it's a four point game. And I think everything's a lot different. I'm remembering it right. Right.
0: Like I'm not off on that. Am I? I don't don't think I I am. I don't even remember. So I will. Once you wake me up that early on a Sunday, I woke up to watch Formula One Singapore Grand Prix and I like to take in like (laughs) the. the the pre-show as well. So I was up early and I don't remember it exactly. Um, and yeah. I was also on air. I was on air, I think, while this was happening because I was doing Pizza Buffet in the morning and just watching it on a side screen. So
1: Yeah. So it was a 10-play, 75-yard drive to make it 25-22. And they missed the extra point to make it 26-22. Then they drive down the field and bang a 60-yarder. Vikings come back. They hit their own 47, 48 yarder, which playing for that drove me nuts. I actually tweeted that. I'm like, yeah, that's that's a great move. Let's play for that to the point where the Saints got back down and got to kick another 61 yarder. So I mean, and that was a double doinker. I I was at the Bears playoff game against the Eagles, and I know people were talking about Garoppolo and um, Dan Orlovsky when he stepped out of the end zone that made him feel better. This didn't make me feel any better about that double doink in Chicago. Just FYI, uh, it was just like a, a mess of a game, just an absolute mess of a game.
0: Uh, Dalton looked way better than I thought he would. I mean, that's sort yes. of my takeaway. Um, you know, it's always tough when you 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 have Jameis out. There's there should be some downgrade to the backup, right? There's a reason that the starter is starting and the backup is the backup. But with Jameis, he's obviously dealing with a lot in terms of back injury ankle injury so you wonder if there's even any downgrade at all um people really middled this game well i think i was not one of them because i'm an idiot and i bought back saints most of the saints way too early to to uh reduce my position original position on the vikings if i had waited until this morning to do most of that then i would have been laughing today
1: yeah and i i i I missed all the two and a halfs last week and then i said you know i still do like three i bet three and then I didn't layer on anything on top, like when it got to three and a half or, you know, just I, I, I just didn't like it anymore. And I just wanted to be done with it, to be honest. Like, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to uh, compound any mistakes. I guess we'll put it that way. Um, and I think similarly to what you mentioned with Zach Wilson relative to Joe Flacco, I think you kind of have that situation in New Orleans, too, where the upside on Winston is is better than Dalton. But the downside is is worse. On Winston, like his worst games are really, really bad. Dalton's kind of a steady, not great, but he'll do okay. And and they utilize Taysom Hill, I think, relatively well today too.
0: Yeah, uh, considering the injuries that they had on offense with Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Andrew Pete, their left guard, um, I'm surprised that they were able to move that all that well so i mean i think that's just like maybe downgrade vikings defense but i don't want to be overly react to to single games um if we're thinking of downgrading defenses i don't know if it gets much worse than the lions because uh the seahawks i can't downgrade them anymore it's tough (laughs) there's nowhere to go (laughs) it's really tough at this point the seahawks going to detroit uh, they restore the poor, as I like to say. That's what I'm going with this year. #Hashtag Restore the Poor. Poor being an adjective for bad for anyone out there who's gonna be like, oh yeah, what do you have? What's your problem with poor people? No, poor is just an adjective. Uh, sorry, synonym I should say uh, for bad. Seattle wins as a three and a half point dog, 48-45. forty-five one-way action on Seattle all week. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from Geno Smith, but the Lions D is terrible. Like so Seattle, bad. Seattle had a zero point five EPA per play today that's absurd. 63% success rate on 35 passing downs. C- series conversion rate of almost 90%. They didn't punt a single time. Like it just goes on and on and on. Detroit, very good offensive numbers as well, but mostly in garbage time. Uh, Jared Goff had that pick six that cost the Lions like 15% in win expectancy. Um, but I mean, it was just like Seahawks, comfortable wire to wire winners. Like what am I watching right now? I don't, I, I I don't know I don't know what to make the li- of the Lions anymore. They do fight, they do come back, but like I I still think that you know it, it changes on a weekly basis. I, I, that defense is just like so many problems right now.
1: They're so in the lower left quadrant of the rush EPA drop back EPA plays allowed that I'm I'm surprised they're on the graph. Like that's how bad that they are. Um, it it's really rough, and I. Got to give credit where credits due with Geno Smith. I mean, he's been a pretty efficient quarterback. He hasn't been, you know, a huge playmaker or anything like that. But he's been fine. And you know, Russell Wilson isn't exactly blowing the doors off in Denver either. So it's like maybe he isn't as bad as everybody thought he was. Um, I, I wouldn't say that's a great spot for him to succeed, but he's been fine. I mean, who hasn't scored against the Lions this year? Like, who have the Lions stopped at all?
0: it's been pretty ugly
1: um what's the opposite of success rate (laughs)
0: like in terms
1: of like defensively is there are there metrics for that because i'll have to look i'll have to look at the four games and see what their opposing team success rate is against them because it's got to be astronomical
0: i can tell you that right now so in terms of opposing success rate 54.1 that is two percent worse than the next worst team in the league which is atlanta so it's ugly (sighs) I mean it's 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 really bad. And the thing is, it's not like they're without defensive starters right now. Like this is their defense. And mm-hmm. they're their their DC is gonna take the fall for this, uh, Aaron Gwen. But they're just like all of these draft picks, and I'm not writing off Aiden Hutchinson or anything yet, but like most of these high draft picks are just not working out. Something is not working out there. I I you know, you can give them a pass for the offense today. You you lose receiver one, receiver two, running back one, your left guard is out. Okay, I get it. Like you're not, but they still put up points in garbage time, but the defense, I, I don't know. They there's, I don't know. what, I don't know how they get it together. I just, it's, I think it's just a lack of personnel at this point. I don't know that there's anything that they can do mid season that, and now it's probably not as bad as, you know, we make it out to be overall, but it, it's bad. Like it's rough on a weekly basis.
1: Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily a scheming issue. I truly do think it's a personnel issue to the point where they just don't have enough talent on that side of the ball to, to keep up um there's just it's unfortunate because they were a team that I thought would do a little bit better this year than they are doing I didn't think they would be this bad defensively um maybe they in a couple weeks or so maybe there's a little bit more gelling or something but I'm not seeing anything that's so uh broken you know what I mean like nothing like I'm not seeing a bunch of huge misplays or mistakes mentally it's just they're just getting outplayed.
0: Yep, I agree with you there. Um, success rate for quarterbacks this league in, this year in the NFL. Pull that up right now. Number one, Patrick Mahomes. Number two, Josh Allen. Number three, Trevor Lawrence. Number four, Geno Smith. Fourth in the league right now in success rate amongst quarterbacks. I'm... Obviously, you have to be skeptical. It's a very small sample size. Gino has played much better than people realize, I think, overall. Obviously, today's game is going to pad those stats a little bit, but we now get the scenario where New Orleans returns from London, hosting the Seattle Seahawks next week. And I think people are going to massively upgrade Seattle off of this week's performance, personally. Mm.
1: Yeah, I can't do that. I I can't upgrade anybody against Detroit. Like, if you do do whatever you did, you are on par. Um, I get they were they were a little bit better. I mean the number was astronomical. Uh, and one of the few one of the losses that I had a smaller play was this under. I thought that it would be a little bit tougher for Seattle to move the ball, and I thought Detroit would really struggle without Swift and St. Brown, but that didn't happen. Um, I think I lost the over in the first half, or having the under. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I can't put like. This is not something that I learned anything about. I'm actually hoping what you're saying is going to happen where the market's going to start to overvalue Seattle so I could play the other way.
0: Well, so I I think that I'll put a number on the game, but I think that we're probably looking at a Saints minus three and a half slash minus four, somewhere in that range for next.
1: So here's a question. I know you didn't probably get to watch the game as closely as you think, or as you would have liked to this morning and for the London game. Comparing the Seattle offense and Minnesota offense, how different do you think they are? Obviously, one's more dynamic. But if you were to, you know, give one at a 20 point rating, let's just say of an expected points, what would Seattle be? How much further down?
0: Three points? Um, Two and a half? I can pull up those exact numbers of what I had going into this week, but I essentially made the Vikings offense about one and a half points above league average, and I made Seattle's two and a half lower. So I have a four-point gap between the two. Okay. And Minnesota's been leaving some points on the board too, at least in my opinion.
1: um, Agreed. With with some costly drops and and just some, some bad mistakes. Um, so I, I do think they're probably better than what they put up. So that, that's interesting. Um, and I don't think the Saints defense has lived up to the expectations that I had for it. They're just not really getting a lot of pressure. Um, but they could have probably had th- more than 30 put up on them today. Yeah,
0: I would, I would agree there. Um, I think this is a, one of, a more interesting total to try to, to pencil in because um, I think you have a Seattle team who is coming off now back-to-back high-scoring games that people are going to remember pretty vividly. Whereas week one and week two were two very low scoring games for them. Uh, New Orleans, on the other hand, is sort of like the opposite where they had played a couple very low scoring games in a row. And now all of a sudden a 53 pointer in London, I'm guessing like a 44. Again, I'd like to put it right around a key number, but I, I'm trying to set it at a number where I don't know what I would take off of the top of my head. And I think that's sort of where this one has to be. Although I do think the Saints can move the ball in the Seahawks defense. So the Saints and
1: Atlanta, what did they open at? 42? Oh. Or is that where they ended up? 42 and a half. They got bet down and then came back up. Yeah. 44, maybe 44 and a half. Yeah, that's probably fair. It's a tough I, one. Uh, I, I do it is.
0: I do definitely think that the market is going to upgrade Seattle based off of this performance because their yes, offense is just I, I so too. good. So like if they, if they played this week, like honestly, if they played this morning uh, and New Orleans was hosting Seattle and we hadn't seen either of the games yet, I, I don't know. I think New Orleans minus six. Something like that, personally. Even with Dalton. Because people were so, so down on Seattle. Like, Seattle was... Cons- yeah. Even... We talked about this last week of ranking all the bottom teams. And I put Seattle yep. in, that, in that group. So, uh, I, I definitely... I cannot possibly see that being the number at this point now.
1: No. And I had... The Saints were a team that I think I said last week where I, I thought the Vikings should be three or three and a half point favorites, even with the... I mean, that was considering the potential of injuries with, with Winston, but um, I, I. it's hard for me to be high on the Saints at all. It's now three and a half is probably what I think it opens up at.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar range for you there. So Detroit is going to go on from this to New England. And the Patriots lose in overtime today, 27-24. The big news here: Brian Hoyer suffers a head injury early in the first half, so New England has to turn to rookie quarterback Bailey Zappi, and the Patriots benefit from a pick six to end the first half. They had their running game working from start to finish. Of New England's 58 plays, 33 were runs; 64 of them, 64 percent of them, successful runs. Aside from that, they were only able to generate 104 yards in the passing game, three of 11 on third downs. Um, watching them run the clock, run out the clock when they had the ball late in the fourth quarter with a chance to win, like I wanted to put my my hand through the TV because I just, like you're playing, like I hate teams playing for overtime uh, this day and age. Packers really never got the passing game going either, which let, which let the Patriots hang around. But man, New England was like highly unimpressive today. Despite the fact that they took the Packers to overtime, it's hard to remember anything that they did that was like, there was a, a nice strip that one of the, the corners made early on in the game. I can't remember who it was pull strip the strip the ball from a, a Packers wide receiver for a fumble. Like aside from that, oh man. Like just it, Belichick when he goes to like a, a young quarterback like that, just becomes the most conservative, conservative coach around. And it drives me it's infuriating to watch that type of game. And I'm glad they end up I'm not glad they end up losing. I wanted people to lose the Packers and their survivor pools. It's what Same. I really wanted. Yep, <laughs> I wanted chaos. <laughs> but like I, I'm glad they ended up losing for, in the sense that, that you you play that conservatively, you deserve to lose the game.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm to- totally with you on that. So here's a, a weird question: uh,
0: Did you see the hit that? knocked Toyer out of the game? I did. Um, I did see it. I, I I saw it live. So I'm just trying to remember it now, but it was a defender basically landing on top of him.
1: Right. And it looked like he was landing sideways and I, I didn't really see, I mean, his head hit the turf, but not that bad. So I'm wondering, do you think like there will be given what happened with Tua, there will be an overcorrection on any potential head injuries in the NFL?
0: I do think so. I think there will be. I agree with you. Okay. Yeah. I agree with you. Like if Hoyer plays next week and he gets concussed again, then they're going to people are going to want to blow up the league, right? Um Yeah. You know, like we talked about this on on Forward Progress last week. Tua got the concussion. I was very adamant having watched that that Tua had a concussion. In hindsight, based off of everything that I've seen Mike McDaniel say, I really believe the organization did not think he had a concussion and the fact that he got cleared from the Cincinnati hospital so early on Thursday would kind of indicate to me that he probably did not suffer a second concussion in the span of, you know, five days either. So I, I don't, like, I don't really know anymore. Um, you know, listen, I mean, there are lo- explanations as to a player going down and like just not being able to find their balance when they get up, which is not head related necessarily. And it's just like blood I can't pressure. even get out of bed half the time. I get it. Blood pressure related <laughs> and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't want to make... But, but the state that we're in now where every Twitter head, and I'll lump myself into that because I was very quick to rush to judgment as well, um, is, you know, just all over these types of situations. Now I do think that teams are forced to play it more cautiously.
1: Yeah. I I think you're going to see an overcorrection for a little while now. Um, I I hope he's okay. Um, You know, like if you have a back injury or something like that, I could see reacting the way that he did last week, Um, you know, getting up and kind of just like losing it, like you're mentioning. Um, Anyway, all this to be said that I don't think we'll see Hoyer no matter what next week. Um, And I I think you're just going to see more of a little bit of extra caution because that visual on Thursday, and I mean, you were there live, and I'm sure it felt like all the air was sucked out of the stadium when that happened. Um, but when they kept going to a certain visual on camera, it it looked just really, really bad. Anyway, all that to say that I think New England's gonna be with that same type of conservative offense next week and they're not gonna open up the playbook at all.
0: Feels like that's gonna be the way. Uh I, I saw I saw Belichick I didn't see him speak. The sideline reporter had talked about how Belichick was not happy with Zappi early on in that game and he was missing some throws. And you could tell that he did not have the utmost confidence in him. Now, this is not me commenting on what I think Zappy's going to be as a pro. I know a lot of people were actually high on him as a, you know, where he was drafted uh, overall, but I do think that Belichick tends to be more conservative in nature with, uh, with these younger quarterbacks. And we saw it with Mac Jones last year through like the first four mm-hmm. to six games of the year. So- Um, yeah, I mean, Patriots have to be favored over the Lions. The Lions will probably be appealing to me as much as I, you know, as I sit here and and say that, um, kind of makes me ill. Hopefully the Lions will get some players back on offense. But if New England goes with this type of game plan and they're laying points, they're going to be a fade, in
1: my opinion. This is a hard total for me to pick up on. Mm -hmm. Like when you have an offense that's going to be so limited, unless for some miracle Mac Jones comes back next week, which I don't really think is possible either, based on everything that I've read. Right. Um, The worst defense in the league versus potentially what is now what might be the worst offense before I would have given that moniker to the Bears, I think. Um, Now I think next week it might might be New England and and Carolina is probably in that lower third, that lower three group of offenses too. It's it's really bad.
0: Generally rule of thumb for me in these types of situations where I think you have like one team that is a pure over team, and one team that's a pure under team. Uh, despite the fact that uh, I'm aware that the Patriots did go over the total today. Um, 47 just is like my go-to. Like if if I was opening the number, it'd be like, it's 47. I'll let the market decide where they want to go. The Detroit-Seattle total took a, a, a like opposite action this week. So got bet. You were on the under as well. Great, got a great number. Yeah. But it was bet down all the way to 47. And then it took back action to the over this morning. So uh, I think 47 is probably just... And I honestly don't know which way it's going to go, but I cannot imagine betting an under in a Detroit game again. I really, I can't. <laughs> no, no, me neither. Um, If I was ever
1: to bet an under in that situation, maybe it would be a first half under or maybe play a second half over, um, depending on kind of game flow. But put it this way, it's not even a game that I would want to watch at all.
0: Uh, just looking over the rest of next week's board so we have thursday night football colts at broncos um this is an especially difficult one to line because the colts had jonathan taylor leave the game with i believe they're saying he's a high ankle sprain so he'll be out not like they could run the ball anyways today because they couldn't they were Uh, I think they had 38 rushing yards on 23 attempts today. Um, Shaq Leonard came back on defense, left with a concussion. So he's probably not playing on a short week. So another hole in the defense. Denver, Javante Williams feared to be a long-term knee injury. Randy Gregory is going to have an MRI on his knee. Put this all together with two teams that I think are extremely underwhelming right now. And it becomes very numb. I mean, it, it, it has to be three. Yeah, I,
1: no, I, I wouldn't go off of that. I, I think it will stay on three for a little while too. Um, there's, it, it can't be any other number. I think three and a half gets a ton of money one way and two and a half gets it the other way. So I, yeah, no, no argument here.
0: I have absolutely no desire to bet the Colts. I will say that. Um, Same. Short week. They, they, they did show signs of life on offense today in the second half, but they were already down so much in that game. They were trailing 24 to three at one point to the Titans. So, uh, And the Titans, honestly, they couldn't sustain anything offensively once Traylon Burks got hurt as well. That it just kind of, the Colts seemed to get into this rhythm that was, you know, working for them. But uh, this has to be a low total too, like lower 40s, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I had a good instinct and I didn't have, I don't have a good feel for the Colts. Clearly Um, I had an instinct that the game would go back into their direction this week in terms of of the number, but I still couldn't get myself to pull the trigger and bet it as much as I don't like the Titans either as a team. um, The Colts are just sloppy on offense. And I thought this was going to be a game where they just try and both two heavy run offenses. And I, I think actually, you know, they did, they did a good job, in tennessee today finding different ways to get henry the ball as opposed to just you know direct kind of up the gut runs and they it, it was it was actually nice to watch but the colts i just i, I can't back them they're just a team where they're a stay away
0: um i the tennessee indie game was extremely interesting to me this week because tennessee was one of my bigger plays but i could tell very early in the week that i was going to be opposite of everyone so The Colts took a little bit of action either on Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember the day specifically. And I had someone reach out to me right away saying like, is that you on Colts? That person would only reach out to me if I had bet a game that they were interested in betting. So I knew right away that there was someone who liked something in that game. Later that day, I got offered a very good price on Tennessee relative to market at that time. And I was like, this is all lining up for a bunch of Colts money to come in later in Mm -hmm. the week. And it did. And we added some more at Titans. I had Titans three and a half. I added some Titans four. Um, I don't. I. I don't really understand the people who are in a rush to lay these types of points with an offensively challenged team. Uh, now this will be a different story next week. They'll be getting points, and Denver is now the offensively challenged team that's going to have to cover a margin, and they've shown, you know, that it's going to be challenging for them to do so. So it's completely different dynamic. I get it, but it's just uh, very challenging with the Colts right now. Um, Philly travels to Arizona next week. Philly is so impressive.
1: So that that was one of the bigger plays I had today. I had an under in that game, mm-hmm. and I lost that, that one too. Not, yeah, that did not start the way that I wanted. No. Um, but aside from being a little sloppy early, um, you know, with the pick six and just I don't know, uh, their defense wasn't very good. Like they weren't tackling it, and, and part of it's probably the field conditions. I get that it was pouring all day, just mm-hmm. about. So they are really impressive though. I'm not happy about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the one thing I will say about Philly is that another great game. They were down 14-0 early, pick six, um, then a long drive by Jacksonville. After that, Eagles just kind of did what they wanted. Um, Huge difference maker in this game though was that the Jags had five turnovers, four of which were fumbles. Sloppy weather game. Eagles end with a plus four turnover margin, win the game by eight points. They lose a bunch of players. They lose their left tackle. Uh, they lose their right guard, Isaac Suomalu. Uh, their starting corner, Darius Slay, had to leave the game early. Their nickel corner, Avante Maddox, is out right now. I don't know that Arizona is the team that I want to, to bet against the Eagles. But I think that the way that things have set up here, the Eagles, like no one wants to bet against Philly right now. No one. It's going to be one-way action. In pretty much all of their games so we have to start to see inflated prices right like it, it has to happen i i can't imagine a scenario where philly gets put out at some sort of attractive number and i think that if these teams had played today, Philly at Arizona, probably something like four and a half Philly on the road, um, maybe higher, honestly, maybe higher. My numbers are higher, but I think maybe the market wasn't as high on Philly just yet. And like, and this is just going to be the one that gets a month. How can it, how can it not be like six and a half, seven that next game? Like, How can it not essentially be the equivalent of, to, of what the Chiefs did, what the Chiefs line was in week one against Arizona? It has to be.
1: Yeah. So the way that I'm thinking of it is if I were to give that a line this week, I would have probably been at like minus six. Okay. And maybe that's because I, I overvalue Philly a little bit um, relative to the market. And I'm very low on, on Arizona. So if that game opens at seven and a half, I won't be shocked.
0: Seven and a half, I will bet Arizona. I will hate, really? I will hate it. I will absolutely hate that bet, but I cannot... As someone who is even high on the Eagles and has been from preseason every single week, pretty much, I've I've had an edge towards the Eagles. I don't so think I get who would there. you have ranked? Who would you who do you have ranked higher? Arizona or Jacksonville? Um, I have I definitely have Jacksonville ranked higher. I'll just double check right now to just to confirm that. Um, yeah, I, ha- I have Jacksonville ranked slightly just slightly higher now. I will say this about my rating on Jacksonville. A lot of people will call me crazy for because people think that the Jags are just like, they're it now. But the Jags lost to the Commanders in week one. That has to matter for something. They played the Colts without, you know, two of their top three receivers. They played the Chargers with like a decimated team. Everything that could kind of work in the Jags' favor did until today.
1: Okay, that's fair. Um, here's where I see the difference. For And this is for me, I probably have Jacksonville a point or a point and a half better than Arizona. If Philly's a six and a half point favorite today against Jacksonville, I don't I don't downgrade Jacksonville off today. I think they, you know, with the weather on the wrong side of turnovers, I think the game's a little bit closer. Um, Like twenty nine, twenty one probably is isn't a good indication of what I think the talent levels are of each team, meaning, you know, from a margin of victory standpoint. But Arizona is pretty bad defensively. And I don't see the Jags as that. I know they've gotten some breaks, like you mentioned, banged up Herbert, you no know, Keenan Allen there. Um, they did not play well against the Commanders. At seven and a half, I can't take the Cardinals. I could see people taking it, I could, but I just I, I
0: can't do it. Um, as, as I think it would ha- so, As I look at the board next week, I see a lot of these types of games where it's it's just going to be a one way street, right? Like we we won't, we don't have to talk about this now because San Fran hasn't even played yet. But you got San Fran at Carolina next week. And obviously Monday night football is going to have some sort of impact on how San Fran is viewed in market. If they beat the Rams, good luck finding somebody to take Carolina next week. Um, that's going to have to be an inflated price. Uh, yes. You know, Agreed. yeah, we got the Titans at the commanders next week. You know, I don't even think the Titans are good, but good luck finding someone who's going to bet Washington right
1: now. So what's the number there? Two and a half? Yeah. Was- Washington two and a half.
0: If, if we're using the market ratings from today where the Titans were four point dogs and in Indianapolis or three and a half, whatever it closed at there. And Dallas, Washington was a three. That game would basically be a pick them today with Washington's that's home fair. field, but it's not going to be next week. So we're going to have a decision to make because there's no one who's going to, there is not a single person who's betting Washington as a pick other than the people who are like uh, reverse line to public's all on one <laughs> side of the game, like something's uh, trap game or whatever. Like those are the people who are going to bet Washington, right? There's no numbers, people that are going to do that. But now if you get, if, if Tennessee's three, okay, now I got, now I'm considering Washington, right? Cause Tennessee needs to win by four on the road to win a bet. And I mean, they did that today. But like, who are the Titans to be laying these prices as well? So I, I just see a lot of games on the board that I, I feel like the number is not going to matter to a lot of people, right? It's just going to be like, this team stinks. I want to fade them. And because of that, you have to get sort of an inflated price on a lot of these games. Yeah,
1: that's true. It's, it's going to be ugly. Yeah, it's going to be ugly.
0: Ugh. We we just talked about the Jags. They're hosting the Texans next week. Okay. Well, what, what what would that line have been on week one of this year?
1: Oh, week one. Jeez, I don't know. Jacksonville two and a half,
0: maybe two. Something like that. Two and a half, three, whatever. There's no way. There is absolutely no way that this line opens at less than a touchdown four weeks later. In my opinion,
1: I agree. No, I, th- I think it opens probably seven. I I think at seven, you're going to get a little bit of Texans money and it's going to get back down to six and a half. But yeah, I I agree with you.
0: So like there's lots of adjustments being made on teams through four games. And obviously we're getting more data, more data points. But still, I don't think we have any idea what a lot of these teams are. And to me, Jacksonville is um, especially an example of I have no clue. They could they could be good or they can just not be. I mean, that's that's the reality of the situation. Uh, I do want to rapid fire through a few more here. Just quick thoughts uh, overall. Uh, we now are approaching the end of Sunday night football as we record this. So we're going to get KC Las Vegas, Monday night football next week. And Las Vegas gets their first win. They go to one and three. Uh, probably like their most impressive performance of the year from start to finish. But Kansas City just decimating the Bucks in prime time. The final score may not indicate it because there's been some garbage from the Bucks in the second half. Yeah, no, I am just shocked at
1: how poorly Tampa Bay defense is defense was today mm-hmm. just I mean and I, I'm not saying that to take anything away from the Chiefs but if I don't remember if it was this week or the week before where it just didn't feel like the Chiefs were were clicking they clicked tonight that this is this is good Chiefs this is and, this uh, is
0: this is the Chiefs that you just don't need like when this Chiefs shows up thanks for coming out type of game like yes yeah.
1: that's it yeah uh so low 50s as an opener probably right
0: um for total yeah 15 and a half 51 Hi, higher maybe 51 but no no one's i mean maybe someone's betting under at 51 i think this could go higher although we get the prime time under factor whatever i mean i don't put much stock into that okay that's that's probably about right i guess with I, i'm i'm still stuck in like last year, NFL, where I see some of these teams play and I'm like, how is this total this low? So I'm still there. So I think you're probably more right than I am.
1: As for a spread, I have a little bit of a harder time with that. And I think Casey's going to get a little bit overvalued after today. Well, maybe not, maybe justifiably so. Six minus 6?
0: Um I think higher just based off this performance. I'm not saying that that's not the right number in terms of like where I put the game, but I think okay. I think it has to be 7 now just because of them smoking the bucks. I think it has to be 7.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking what it opens versus what it gets bet to. This is
0: yeah, it's tough. Ra- the Raiders will be a sharp side next week. I can feel it already. I'm not saying that they're going to cover, but I think they are going to generate some late market support for Monday night football. It's one of those where, like, everyone will bet Kansas City. People will wait for the line to run up as much as possible and then come back on the Raiders last minute. And I don't know that I love the matchup, but that's what I think is going to happen in this game.
1: Yeah, and this is where I think, you know, we don't get into a lot of betting, like, instruction or anything like that. This is where being able to read a market really does come in for the side that you want. Uh, but I think you're right here. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I struggle with Las Vegas a lot. I've had a very hard time pinning them down, mm-hmm. probably because I like Denver today, and I did have a small bet on them that did not come to fruition. But I do think Denver could have. I think I still think Denver was the better team based on what I saw. Minus the, the Melvin the mistakes. Melvin
0: Gordon fumble changed the entire game. The fumble six, yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, at seven, I take the Raiders for sure. Early. Early indicators, I, w- I would take them. Um, I th- I think it might get bet down to six or six and a half. Yeah,
0: I'm, I think I'm with you there. Um, Giants-Packers, I'm not going to talk too much about. That's the London game, 9.30 next week. The Giants had some major quarterback injuries today. Daniel Jones is probably out multiple weeks. Tyrod Taylor got hurt as well. I believe Davis Webb is like their practice squad quarterback. I have no idea who's going to play quarterback He's- for the Giants next week. So I'm, I'm not even going to venture a guess on that because it would just be a disservice to people and, and – a complete waste of their time um atlanta's going to tampa bay atlanta is the only team in the nfl that's four and zero against the spread people love to bet the falcons i think that that will continue i think that probably makes the bucks a valuable side but it all obviously depends on what the number is in this game prior to tonight's game again just using market power ratings i think that tampa bay would have been very close to a double digit home favorite nine and a half or 10. i do not think that that number exists anymore I think this probably comes down and opens somewhere around seven and a half. Agreed,
1: 100%. And yes, before this week, it probably would have been nine, nine and a half, I think. Um, I think Atlanta is is, is this year's Lions um, team that's just going to be scrappy. They're going to be consistently an underdog, but I think they're going to cover more often than not, provided the market doesn't overreact.
0: Today. So the only thing I'll say about Atlanta is that they win today against Cleveland, if I had told you Marcus Mariota would complete 7 of 19 passes and they would win the game, you'd probably have thought I was insane. We need to talk about that final drive for the Browns. That's I think the one thing that today, that stands out in my head today, where Jacoby Brissett takes like a huge sack, just get rid of the ball, man. Like and then has to f- throw down the field for an interception on the final drive. Like they were a yard out of field goal range according to the t- TV broadcast where the field goal range is, right? Like the who knows if that is actually the range or not? Because they actually have a kicker that has a, a massive leg, as we saw from week one, right? Like a massive leg. So just don't make a mistake. And that's the problem I have with Brissett. Like people are like, oh, Brissett, he's this good. He's he, Brissett's fine. Don't get me wrong. Like he's okay, but he's just got like these massive brain farts. He threw the ball away on a fourth and goal in this game as well really in the first quarter. I mean, how do you do that? I don't understand how you do that. Yeah.
1: And that's not something I think I thought Brissett this year from everything that I've seen has been a little bit more, uh, sound in his decision-making. Um, and I didn't see a ton of this game. I I was kind of following along because I I didn't have a play on the over, but I really thought this was going to be a good game for an over. Um, I didn't make a play, but I was surprised to see how this game didn't evolve into a bigger scoring matchup. Maybe, you know, Atlanta starting 70, 20 of 24 series with a run. Maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, But I expect that from the Browns. I didn't expect that from Atlanta. And I also didn't expect without the players missing from Cleveland on the defensive side. I did not think Mariota would have like what you mentioned, such a poor, poor game throwing the ball. So this game surprised me in a lot of ways. I, have to
0: I had a very good number on the over in this game, and I was extremely frustrated watching it um, for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned. Uh, Dallas and the Rams, I'll skip over that one because there is a possibility that Dak Prescott might be back for the Cowboys next week. Some people would say that, that Dak would be a downgrade to Cooper Rush, which I find hysterical. Just the, uh, I, I mean, I get it. Rush has been fine. In a backup capacity, the defense has been winning Dallas games. Let's call it out for what it is, right?
1: Yeah. So this was the this was one of my other four games that I mentioned earlier that I liked that I had. And I was it's very rare that the market moves against me and I'm okay with it. I don't want it to happen, but I, I was fine with my Dallas position mm-hmm. today against you know the the red team commandos or whatever they're called the commies. Um, I go by
0: the commies now.
1: <laughs> all right, we can do that. That could that could be a, sh- a show term. Um, they, I, I didn't. This game went as I expected. Cooper Rush managed the game fine. Um, they got some pressure on Wentz. He made a mistake or two, which I expected, and this was kind of the score that I expected. Anybody who thinks Dak Prescott is not better than Cooper Rush needs their head examined. And just it it goes back to what you mentioned before about people being very results oriented. They see wins. They automatically think better. This team is being carried by its defense. And and that's okay. But Cooper Rush is not better than Dak Prescott.
0: (laughs) Agreed. Um, We'll end on one game. Uh, I think we got through most of the board, if not all of it, as we try to do every week. Obviously, we have uh, I don't want to turn this into like a four hour. Uh, podcast every single week that does everyone a disservice that's out there but the other team in that game the Browns extremely frustrating they are hosting the Chargers next week so the Chargers had their bounce back although they gave everyone who bet them a heart attack as they typically do Um, I think they blew a 27 to 3 lead got to 27-24 mm-hmm. before they scored their final touchdown in that game. At first, you thought it was like maybe a certain coach with the Chargers or the quarterback. Like, oh, it's a reverse thing. You know, they just find a way. Or is Anthony Lynn? Or it's, It doesn't matter which regime, whether the coach, quarterback, they, they, they are always in the same type of games. I don't really understand how they managed to pull this off for like two decades.
1: I mean, I would love to see what the second half cover percentage is for any team playing the Chargers because it has to be good. Um, there's, they just tend to give back all of these points towards the end of the game. And I guess we were talking, you know, Cleveland chargers, what does that game open? I don't know chargers minus three and a
0: half Mm, i'm not sure i think the chargers have been downgraded enough in market now because of the injuries um i I like i would auto fire on cleveland at three and a half that doesn't mean that it can't open there but i think i would auto fire at that number and then probably a total for me maybe 48 yeah i think high 40s yeah i think high 40s brown's offense is better than people give it credit for the only problem is that they run so much that you get the, the clock ticking but um chargers i mean defensively they're not all that impressive right now um and offensively still profile as an over team for me so i think you're in the right ballpark there i think we've done a pretty good job of running through these games so we'll wrap it up on that uh for those of you listening on spotify or apple music please subscribe like our content it's very much appreciated if you do so on monday head over to the hammer.bet you'll find a ton of new content out there as we do every single monday and just do it over the course of the week as we have you covered for NFL. This has been forward progress for Clive Bixby, for our producer, Jason Cooper, for myself, Rob Pizzola. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you again next week. Best of luck, all.